Welcome to Say Shura. I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoop Magoo. And uh, it's been a while. <laughs> it feels like it's been a while now. It uh, really does recorded. feel like it. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was away last week. We were visiting family down uh, on Cape Cod. And, and, uh, and, just and then I was, and I was a little bitch. I'm like, let's just do Sunday. Like, let's we'll, we'll just, we'll just skip last week. <laughs> So. No, well, yeah, I mean, because obviously we, we, we put a decent amount of preparation into each episode, and so, like, having to... <laughs> preparation, to do, yeah, okay. Well, okay, okay. Give us a little bit of credit. Um, but, yeah, I having to do, like, that, you know, back pretty much back-to-back or within a few days, uh, because yeah. I, I think that the things that we, we wanted to talk about, um, particularly today, really warrant some, um, yes. some time, some care, some discussion, I, especially the first... Um, the first thing it was yeah. an article you shared. Do you want to yeah. talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, this is something I found on out of all sites, Mac Rumors, uh, which you know, d- don't get me started. I, I I find Apple to be an interesting company, so I like to sort of see what they're up to. Um, no, is that the but, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but that's sort of beside the point. They had this interesting article that I thought was worth talking about. That was sort of about like. Um, what's wrong with classical music on apple music's platform and well really even even all streaming yeah platforms. all streaming platforms yeah. obviously because this is about you know max and apple yeah specifically. yeah but but it's it's something you can find in spotify too oh sure um, yeah and so basically I, I think it comes down to pretty much two big issues that um like one classical music is treated as just a single genre of music but then also um, the way classical music is made doesn't exactly correlate to the traditional album format or even like a single format. And therefore it doesn't really like mesh well with what streaming is doing at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really want to go into this first part because I, I think there are like there are counter arguments to this. Just that idea that classical music is treated as just like this one single, you know, omni genre in a way that is just yeah. just classical. Which, yeah, and what I will say is, obviously, these people are really, you know, the people they quoted, and obviously, the person writing the article definitely leans toward their argument, or is at least reporting it in a way that is giving them more. So I assume that the author is also in favor of this, even though a lot of his arguments was quoting from these two other uh, yeah. musicologists or, or classical aficionados, whatever. Um, there's a fair amount of... I don't want to be critical, because I do... I feel like this is an instance where the issues can be real and you can acknowledge they're true, but I guess the means of addressing it or even is it worth addressing may not be on the same level of, of importance because what they're saying about classical music here is, is true. I mean, absolutely, like... They kind of lump a lot of very, you know, obviously different type of classical artists under the same tag. However, that happens with most every genre. That was actually what that was sort of going to be my counter argument. Yeah, because like I mean, this is not unique to classical music. Yeah, exactly. And like you know, but he, he, I think there's a quote that one of the articles says that's like you know, oh, I know exactly. Like people, yeah, it's like, like people all put that they put like something like you know brahms and cage all like both under the same you know title of classical and like if you actually listen to them it's completely different you know um and like i think his argument is that like you know you were working with like 300 years of music as opposed to 100 uh yeah. in in other genres really and like i i get that but at the same time like you really could do the same thing for almost any genre um like i mean just even go to pop even because like you know if you put a like a like a classic pop album like uh like mel torme or something like that Mm -hmm. like that does not sound like ariana grande (laughs) like you know exactly and and i i I think the one thing and this kind of was where their their pretension or, or their because obviously the underlying tone of this article is classical music is more important and deserves you know more respect you know there's a little bit of a chip on their shoulder which i can, yeah. underst- I can understand I, so to like, a degree I, yeah it, it does make sense like I, I mean i do think classical music does get the butt of you know sort of a lot of 
you know, uh, decisions that like they, they, they get screwed over a lot, but mm-hmm. I would say a lot of it is, is if it, it, it feels like it's, um, like self-enforced in a way, like, I, I feel like the reason it's, it is like the way it is right now is not because of the majority overwhelming the minority, but more the minority being so exclusive and pretentious that like, yeah. It, it sort of disallows any ability to penetrate it. And it, th- this is actually something that, that they talk about, too, that it's, like, confusing to navigate, basically. Like, to, it's it's tough for people to get into classical music on streaming platforms because it's just, like, where the hell do you go? Where do you start? And, like, some people say, oh, do a playlist. But, you know, in this in this article, they're like, oh, well, like, playlists don't, are, are, they aren't, they they don't keep the composer's visions in mind that like mm-hmm. you know like like there's this quote that like they'll take like the arias or like the overtures from like an opera and just stick those in a playlist as opposed to you know listening to the entire opera in order uh which i i actually understand that that's but i i think that's something again you could talk about that with a lot of music that like I think there are still a lot of albums nowadays that are meant to be listened to as albums as opposed to just single songs. Yeah, or the songs just don't have the same impact if they're not listened to in the context. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, like, uh, like, I mean, you know, a lot, especially a lot of, like, conceptual stuff, you know, like, or, you know, um, what was that metal album that, uh, more like, death album that's, uh, oh, Crimson, uh, that's, that's supposed to be, like, one huge song. Oh, by um, um, uh, I think Edge of Edge of Sanity. Yeah, Edge of Sanity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like so, like if somebody just took like a piece of that, or like, you know, I, I as contentious as this is between, uh, you know, at least at least with you, uh, like BT Bam, like a BT Bam track, like you're sort of taking it out of context out of the entire oh album. no yeah like, so, like I I am not a BT Bam fan, but obviously yeah. all their albums are very much. You know, so they kind of like have a sonic narrative to them. Yeah, that exactly. Really does yeah, so so like, I mean, I, mean, I get yeah. what they say, but at the same time, I I think also there's sort of this. The, I don't know. It's it it feels like that there's like this um, underlying like uh, elitism in classical music. Oh, absolutely. Like, and again, everything they say can be true, but also. There's the practicality of the modern listener. Like, for example, some a line that really stuck out to me is, um, "Can you imagine how strange?" Or, you know, we're treating around 300 years of music from various countries, foreign philosophies, and so on as one genre, which is again is fair. There's different types of classical yeah. music, even from back in you know the when classical music was just music. You know, obviously someone like you know the Baroque and then um, Romantic, yeah, Romantic exactly, yeah. which isn't necessarily the same. As far as modern commercial music, we don't group the past 50 years together. Can you imagine how strange it would be to group LL, Cool J, Metallica, and the Spice Girls together? These are all artists that were popular in the 90s. Beyond that, they have virtually nothing in common. Grouping together Mozart, Ravel, and Cage makes even less sense. Like, yeah. I do understand what they're saying with that. However, later on, they talk about how you know, Chopin, you know, I guess on a Beethoven playlist, they, they put, you know, rapper listening to Chopin. Um, yeah, and obviously that was wrong. But, you know, obviously Brahms would be... Because the another sub subplot, what they're saying, is that obviously Brahms would be a better recommendation than Chopin. And it's like, to the average listener, they're not going to know which classical composer... You know, they're not going to know that lineage. It's not going to mean as much to them. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I didn't even know that, actually. Uh, but, but to be fair, I've never really paid much attention to, like, that era of classical music. Sure, um, absolutely. No, no, for sure, but I think... In terms of the practicality, someone now, like, we're talking about the modern listener. So, you know, you cannot like how most people listen to music, but this is just how, this is how people listen to music. Yeah. So, obviously, someone, if someone wants to listen to just, you know, big, big parentheses, classical music, you know, they're not going to care if they listen to, you know, Beethoven's Ninth or, like, one of, you know, Chopin's... Um, Nocturnes. Yeah, whatever, yeah. or, like, Eric Satie, some of his piano works, uh, you know, they're looking for... And obviously, like, there's a difference between, like, a symphony and, like, a piano concerto. I mean, yeah. most people will know that. Even if they don't know exactly what they're listening to, they understand it's different. But for the modern listener, that's much different than, like, I want to listen to LL Cool J or I want to listen to Metallica. Like, you know, there's a very clear difference to the modern listener. Whereas I feel like I feel like some, if someone really does want to dive into classical music to the degree that these, these writers, you know, want streaming services to kind of accommodate for, they would put in the effort to make that happen. 
Like I, I feel like what 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 ultimately they want, or at least what I'm reading and what the sense is, they want to give more resources to casual casual listeners to transform, you know, kind of win them over to classical music. And I don't know if that's a realistic goal. And also, I feel like just the parameters of streaming services don't really lend itself to that. Like I totally agree that you should listen to an entire symphony in one piece because that's the you know that's the way it was supposed to be. Yeah. Performed um, and obviously the the one second gaps between songs that's a very fair point. Um, and again, that also speaks to you know certain modern albums where there's certain tracks that transition to one another, but you have that one second gap and it kind of kills the flow. Well, so they that gap is actually you can actually change that. That that's yes. uh, yeah. uh, on you Spotify. Can, you you can, can do gapless playback, which is what, what I try to do. But yeah. you know, side note, uh, for some reason, my version of Spotify insists on playing stuff. Like if I just click on something to play it, it'll start like a second ahead instead of the actual beginning of the song. That's interesting. Which is really frustrating when you know yeah, no, said piece of music really well. <laughs> yeah, um, but. That, that, that's beside the point. I, I think that, you know, like you know, like you said, like to have these resources for classical music, they, like the only thing is these resources are actually already here. It's just that they're not integrated with the app itself. Exactly. Um, and, and like, you know, I it's just that like, I, I mean, part of it is that, you know, the playlist culture that streaming music relies on just is not compatible with any sort of intelligent listening. Exactly. No. Exactly. Um, like, yeah. like because it, it's based more on mood, or at least I, I would say most are, because the, there are some that like they'll, they'll focus on specific genres. Like, like there are a couple that are all about like um, like musique concrète and like tape music mm-hmm. and things like that. And, and like yeah, you know, Spotify even has a composer weekly type of thing where they take a bunch of really big pieces from certain composers and just like it's like a weekly thing. Yeah. Uh, which again, you know, like. I, I agree with the argument that, like, you know, you're not listening to those pieces in the context that they're supposed to be listened to sometimes, but it's still a better way to get into classical music than, like, you know, some other playlists that's just like, oh, chill out music or, you know, classical study. For you sure. Know? Because at least there's some intelligence given to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just like, yeah. It, 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 it just feels like that they think that, you know, classical music is, is just like this, like this running joke, sort of, when it really isn't. It's more like, like, it, it, it's, it's more like all music is kind of a joke in the eyes of like Apple Music and Spotify, in a way, that, yeah. that, it, that it's more like, oh, like, this is the stuff that goes into playlists, like, as opposed to like, this is a playlist of music, like... Yeah, and, and again, I, I think what it boils down to for me is that throughout this article, they there is some type of self, um, some self-importance put on everything they're saying. Is that you know we need to make accommodations for classical music, and as much as we like to shit on like you know like the music industry and whatever, it, it's really difficult to curate music effectively for individual. Like everyone has different tastes, everyone has different. Like, there have been yeah, times, but... there have been times where I've done artist radios for different death metal artists, and a lot of times they kind of run together because I mean it's hard. And again, like metal's another great example. Obviously, you know some classical, you know aficionados would probably scoff at that, but you know most metal is just lumped into just metal. Sometimes it's you know death slash black metal, which yeah. is, is funny. But like, yeah, this is not singular to classical music. Is that it's really difficult with the the just the breadth of music out there to effectively curate and also that's a huge wall you know the fact when they say that um i agree that listening to classical music in a playlist is not the best way to listen to the piece but again if you're just trying to tr- you know test the waters listening to an entire symphony to like see if you like an artist that's not really yeah i it, can't say that's a good entry that, that's, point. that's turned me off a lot is like i remember i bought um like tchaikovsky's like there's a collection of tchaikovsky symphonies yeah and i just could not get through it because it was just like like, so dense and long. Yeah, well, and... symphonies are just really tough to listen to if if you're just a complete noob like me for oh, the most sure. part. Yeah, absolutely. It, because they they're very meandering. Like like they, they don't have like a central core that the music revolves around a lot, mm-hmm. or at least very rarely do they. And like so, 
it, it, it's sort of tough to keep, you know, to sort of pay attention to what's going on. Uh, that, that's why, like, you know, I would suggest, you know, concertos over um, over a symphony just because you have, like, that focal point of, uh-huh. like, oh, there's this one instrument that is sort of the, the, the core of the track in a way. Uh, core of the piece. Um, I would also say that, like, I, I think music curation, like, I think there's an easy way to do it. And I, I would say with those radio, you know, like, like, like those Spotify radio things, I, I think those are actually, like, algorithms. Like, I think they're made via algorithms. Yeah, no, they um, are, for sure. But, like, so I, I don't know how much you go on to, like, Apple's App Store, but they've started this thing as of, like, I want to say, like, the last... Probably, I, I think since the last iOS update, that every day they do like sort of like a different article on like a new app or like on like a list of apps, and uh-huh. like you know, it, so it sort of works like uh, like Bandcamp Daily in a mm-hmm. way that like you know you, you're focusing on this one specific thing for today, and then tomorrow will be something different. It's like you could do the same thing with classical music, um, you know. So it's not impossible, like you know, because you you, you could really just. I, I could see this really working actually is just like every day is like a new article like oh we're going to talk about Brahms's you know X piece you know uh, or we're going to talk about John Cage's you know music for changes you know I, l- l- like you could you could theoretically do that but at the same time I, I think the bigger question is like yeah you could do that for like literally any genre of music and I think metal is such a great example too because like it, it, I do find it annoying how black and death metal are just so like conflated nowadays. Yeah, they're just kind of thrown, thrown. Yeah, well, I, I think it's because like they sort of represent like that and grindcore sort of represent like what they call like extreme metal. Yeah. Um, which is like I, I get that, but it's just like <laughs> at the same time, like they, there are completely different things going on in those gen- like like it, it would be like if I you know I don't know like, like if we took like you know Chuck Berry. And then we put like a Guns N' Roses track right next to it, and we're like, "No, this is the same genre, guys. It's both. It's it's rock. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's just like it's like. And again, this is this is their argument too. But it's just like it, it does feel like they're obsessed with their own point of view to an extent. And I mean, I like so like I I, I feel like basically the answer to this, if there is any answer, is that like I think. A compromise needs to be made as opposed to like apple music needs to meet all these demands or all these people will be pissed off like it's yeah I, l- 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 like there, there's got to be some give and take here basically. yeah and i think the underlying i'm not really sure what their i don't see what their goal yeah i guess you know what their goal is with with this but i don't think any of this is going to lead to more people listening to classical music like again i i feel like people who want to explore classical music i mean there there's like you said there's innumerable ways you could do that oh yeah you know, not necessarily on like a spotify or on an app music yeah or what I, have you. I, I mean j- um, just off the top of my head uh talkclassical.com is a great yeah. website it's mostly forum based but they have like really good lists to like you know start off with like the, what they consider like the best of you know certain types of you know like chamber music and things like that or just symphonies or you know like, like like the Reese's are out there and it's like I think this is just an argument that we have with usual music is that like the Reese's the resources to explore music are out there it's just that like you need to look for them like it it, it requires you know um it, it requires your own participation as well yeah, like, exactly. you, you can't just expect to have everything handed to you. Exactly. With this type of thing. That's what I say is you can't expect, you know, basically that, you know, Spotify or Apple music to hold your hands the entire time and, and tell you, you know, you know, this is what you should listen to. Also something interesting I found is that everything in this article completely, you know, it was all, you know, classic classical composers. Well, well I mean, obviously Cage. Obviously, obviously Cage is newer, but like, it didn't say anything about like, you know, new, new, like new music or modern classical that came out, you know, last year or whatever. Like it was all about learning the classics, and I feel like that's a divide in classical music that it is still exists. Oh um, yeah, the, 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 there. I think there are a lot of people who think basically like that classical music like ended with like Richard Strauss. 
Yeah. In a way. Exactly. And like, and... You know, like a- anything from like Schoenberg on is like just garbage. Exactly. Um, but which, yeah, is a really annoying argument. But I, I again, I think that, they, that that's a that's a bigger conversation for like another time. No, absolutely. Yeah. But but essentially, with the way, I mean, streaming services are trying to service a, a wide variety of people and and curate even with algorithms, even with all those tools, it's still difficult. You know, different people. You know, for example, with, with our Death Store column for the blog, you know, Jonathan, Simon, and I all contribute to it. The three of us all have vastly different tastes mm. in death metal, and that's just one genre. Like we all prefer different styles of the same genre. So, for example, when I put on like a, um, I think before I put on like a Cavalry Capitation radio or whatever, or like I've listened to uh, an album and then you know we've curated a radio or or whatever some down the line, and the albums they picked were in the ballpark of what might people like listen to Cal- 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 might like but not like 100% point on like they weren't putting in like behemoth or whatnot it's stuff that yeah. you know I is mean, more, well, it's, like it, whatever it, it's it's very algorithmic like you know like yeah. example if you uh, if you look at like uh death grips and if you look for similar artists at death grips you'll get more like meme artists as opposed to like yeah. <laughs> artists that actually sound like death grips yeah exactly um like you'll actually like sort of fall into like this this Anthony Fantano shaped hole in Spotify. No, as, as strange as this is, that that like it'll Absolutely. have like it, it's it's weird how it's set up. But like I mean, if you want if you want proof that Anthony Fantano has an influence on modern music consumption, like there you go. <laughs> um, Absolutely, but, yeah. but I, I think that speaks to the fact that. I mean, not only is there new music coming out all the time that they need to assess for this algorithm and in catalog and whatever, but yeah. also they need to need to clarify. You know, is it is it worth putting on? You know, like you know, is every new death metal album worth incorporating to this radio? How do you determine which death you know, uh, which death metal artist, which black metal artist? Like, you know, again, like you if, you know, if you have an album radio for like Death Spell Omega, like really chaotic, aggressive black metal. It's not going to be the same as like a dissection or something more melodic, you know, or even like, you know, Demu Borgir, obviously. So like even with any genre, you have to, you know, find perfect curation. So it's not, yeah. it's not an exact science. It requires some human. I did kind of like the idea of having a musicologist on staff. Um, I think they would certainly, you know, have their hands full with, you know, trying to upend the way things are going. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting yeah. article, interesting discussion. Definitely. I do think that it was coming from a place where, you know, classical music had much more in their eyes, much more self importance. Because I feel like if you then try to say, yeah, that reminds me of like you know how it works with metal music. I don't think that these writers or like these people would they would be as receptive to that. Yeah, because they'd be like, like metal isn't music, screaming yeah, ex- isn't exactly. music. And they're like, like fuck it, you guys. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, they, they're specifically talking about these issues in reference to classical music, which is, it makes sense because that's what they're interested in. But the, again, to kind of bring a full circle, these are issues that kind of, in some ways, are just representative of how streaming works and also apply to many other genres. Um, mm. So, but it was still interesting. I mean, I definitely yeah, think definitely. just because it's a wider issue doesn't mean there aren't things you can do to address it. Um, yeah. So no, I, I'm in, in total agreement there. Um, but I think that's about all we can really say right now about it. So we're going to move on to uh, sort of the crown jewel of today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Basically, like as people who listen to this probably know, me and Scott are really big metalheads. I think Scott much more than me, uh, but mostly because you just you work for you know Heavy Blog, and you know like it's it, it's it's a genre that you're just very in tune with um, most of the time. I and so uh, with that, there's always like a handful of artists, no matter what genre you listen to, that have sort of escaped your um purview i guess like you know let like sort of your uh your listening or mm-hmm. just for some reason just don't click with you and uh for both of us for you know many years now um devin townsend uh prog metal i guess virtuoso devin townsend has um pretty much been like that elusive like um musician for us that like 
we we've tried to listen to him on like many different occasions, and we just never have been able to really like enjoy it. Especially like because heavy blog is is very. I mean, I would still argue that it's very prog metal based. So oh, it's that's you know whenever um whenever we release something that you know like a prog metal review or you know like whatever. The reaction clearly oh, yeah. supports that notion. Yeah, you know, how, you know the the engagement, the likes, the sh- everything. It, yeah, it, absolutely. So like, the, there's definitely like this schism between sort of like us and then people who like can actually like listen to Devin Townsend and really enjoy it. Um, and like, so we we th- I, I thought I, we both thought it was a really cool idea to just do sort of like a redemption type of episode to sort of you know pull some people, get an idea of what Devin Townsend's best albums have been. And you know, uh, listen to those, and just sort of talk about it. And so I, I think if you're cool with this, I think we should probably talk about our experience first with him, and then sort of move on to you know what albums we listen to, and then sort of positives and negatives about it. If if that makes if that works with you, yeah, absolutely. Um, and for for me, it's yeah. it's pretty quick. I I literally never never listened to Devin Townsend before or at least not that I can remember um yeah it well, just they didn't were, you say you listened to Strapping Young Lad City before? it was so long ago yeah. I, 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 I and honestly, I'm pretty sure I was the one who made you listen to it too. yeah because because you bought the CD I mean I, yeah. I I I honestly don't I don't remember what I thought about it like I, yeah. I think at the time I didn't like it but also like I don't remember the music and also it was at a time where my musical taste was so different than it is now so like yeah. I don't feel like it's fair for me to say one way or the the other, but yeah. he just he's one of those artists where he was often uh, lumped in with, uh, you know, relatively. Re- it wasn't until relatively recently that I even started to enjoy progressive metal. Like that kind of that tag always scared me away. I was always more you know I listen to death metal. I listen to you know like I listen to the yeah. you know quote unquote extreme metal. That's what I listen to, and I've started to more and more. Wide my horizons where you know I actually really like Leprous. Um, I've listened to some other uh, prog metal bands from Yore that I think uh, I've enjoyed quite a bit more um, than. At some point, I would really like to give Dream Theater a shot. They're another one of those bands yeah. that I think is important, but I again just they just didn't fit into what I liked about music. And Devin Townsend was someone who, and this is even true. Today, you know, like when I asked in the heavy blog, we have like a kind of a community group of people who are friends of the blog or have written for the blog before and like we talk about stuff. And as soon as I posted, you know, what, how wish I start with Devin, the reaction was just, you know, everyone had an opinion. Everyone oh, yeah. had, you know, he is well beloved. And I think it's one of those, um, you know, inherently wanting to be an outcast or being skeptical of the hype. Um, yeah. Because I think for as long, you know, even when I wrote for the new review, that, you know, the first blog I ever wrote for way, 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 way back in the day, um, he just, he has such a following and such, you know, people loved oh, yeah. him. People were just so on board with what. Um, he, he very much has like a cult cult status. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, one of the elder statesmen of, of prog metal and, and the prog metal community is, is, is quite a, quite a large one. Um, surprising, you know. It may seem surprising, but you know it. it which kind of makes sense because it ha- there's a lot of accessible elements about modern prog, so it kind of makes sense that it, it would be as appealing as it is. Um, but in any case, um, so yeah, you, you basically have no experience. With, basically, with no Devin experience, Townsend. which is why when yeah. you suggested that we give it a shot, I uh, I was like, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I should have already done that a long time ago. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you because I mean, like I've, I've liked a lot of prog metal back in the day. Like, you know, I, I had my, um, I mean, I don't know if you would consider gent to be prog metal. I, I kind of would, uh, yeah. like, at well, least it's it, like an it offshoot of it. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I had, I had my little gent phase back in the day and like, you know, bands like Opeth, you know, I really love, and oh, yeah, you know, like, th- like, you know, like little stuff like that. Um, and I, I did buy um, Strapping Young Lad City back in the day because I sort of wanted to try it out, and uh, I did not enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> actually, I, I tried to listen to it again this week, and I, basically the same problems I had with it all those years ago are still prevalent today. Um, so, like, you know, I, I and I would agree with you that that cult status that Townsend has is is kind of a double edged sword because it just makes it really tough. 
for people like us um, to sort of really get into, you know, what's going on in his musical world um, without being like a little skeptical because like it just it feels like blind devotion at some points that that like he can do no wrong. No. And, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, like, especially, it, be- yeah. especially because like his, his new his new single that came out. I, I OK, so I guess I. I lied a little bit in the sense that I, I did listen to the new single when it first came out, mm. but that, that's not really like an album. Um, yeah. And then after listening to the albums we listened to and listening to that single again and the reaction I saw people have, it's clear that he, maybe, maybe saying he can do no wrong is a little strong because everyone said there are albums they like and don't like. You know, some people say they liked it all, but a lot of people said there are, you know, different stages of his career they prefer over others because he really does have an eclectic discography. But after yeah. listening to the new single, it's clear that I personally thought it was much weaker than the music we listened to. But people were like, holy shit, like this is awesome. Yeah. So I, I feel like, but I guess that, that could be said about, I mean, so everyone has that band where pretty much they can quote unquote do no wrong. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so. I, I, I like, I mean, I was just thinking of like, there are some people in that thread who are like, I've listened to that, like, I own everything he's ever come out with. Yeah. And like, yeah, like, and like, I've seen him like 15 times and it's like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> like, I can't think of anyone I'd like who would want to see 15 times. Yeah. Honestly. I know. Me either. Like, um, well, I don't know. Maybe like a jazz musician. Just because you know that they would do something different every time. Yeah, I, I guess, I, like, I haven't seen Kamasi Washington live, but like I can imagine, you know, you know, see seeing him multiple times over the course yeah. of his career. Um, but a- anyway, so we um we sort of we we pulled a bunch of people on our you know through Heavy Blogs community, and we came up with four big albums from Devin Townsend that we decided to go for. So in in chronological order, Ocean Machine, um, uh, here we go, uh, Ocean Machine, Addicted key and deconstruction and uh so this basically covers townsend's career from when he started out um just a little after strapping young lad i think uh all the way until just a couple years ago deconstruction so you know it's a wide variety of sounds uh you know and i I think i really i think the only aspect of his career that we really didn't touch was uh like the two ambient albums that he put out and uh which I, I wouldn't mind checking out one of them at some point, but yeah. and, I, and also we didn't listen to Casualties of Cool, which is one of his more recent highlights. Yeah, but like it's just, it's not representative yeah. of his regular sound. Exactly, so. and I mean I I sort of figured that Ocean Machine and sort of like early Devin Townsend project would be similar enough to Strapping Young Lad that we could sort of just count Strapping Young Lad out because yeah. I, I I like th- that's a whole thing in itself because I've seen like everybody convinced that like. Like, like, I mean, they came out, I think, what, four or five albums in their career, and everybody has their own favorite in that one, in, yeah. in that band, and it's, like, it's so much more divisive than even the rest of Devin Townsend's stuff. Yeah. Um, But, so, I, I think the best way to talk about this is to sort of go and talk about the positives first, um, and then the negatives. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, yeah, I, I, I guess, so. like I'm very mixed. I'll, I'll say I'm very, very mixed about this. And I, 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 just, I honestly, I assumed you'd be a lot more on the negative side, and maybe you are, but I didn't think you'd have many positives at all. Oh no, no, no. I so you know, I actually so uh, when we were listening this week, I, I when I put on Ocean Machine, I texted Scott and I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to die. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think. Is we're talking about these things uh, in positives and negatives, just because I, I feel like um, people could take this the wrong way, and I, I think it's it's this isn't meant to be like a critical analysis of Devin Townsend. This is this is our reactions, you know. Um, and I you know I, I just want to say that like you know despite my mixed feelings about his music, you know I, I'm really happy that he's able to you know have created such an, a passionate fan base around him, and that he's been able to sort of call you know he's been able to make his music by his own rules, and I respect the, like the hell out of that. Yeah. So like you know I but that being said, um, I, I you know I didn't want to dislike a lot of this, but I I just I just it did not click with me. Um, 
yeah but but i so positives though positives first um i i think townsend's vocals are amazing i was really surprised by that because i i always assumed again having never listened to his music that he just kind of sang because it was his project you know just you know like he just he was the person who sang because you know his name's on the, the album but he's a really good singer. Yeah. I was really, really surprised. Well, so he, he sort of got his start playing for um, Steve Vai. He was doing vocals for Steve Vai. And like mm-hmm. so his, Steve Vai's album, uh, I think it's called Sex and Religion, is um, is considered like really good early Townsend. Like just because of Townsend's vocals on that. But yeah, I really like his vocals. I, there's, there's sometimes where he does like this yell that I'm not a fan of at all. Um, yeah. But... Most of the I definitely time, prefer to singing. Well, like I, so he he does some, um, you know, some some more like harsh vocals on like deconstruction, mm-hmm. and I thought those were really good, and I thought his clean vocals were really good too. But then there's this sort of like in between, it's sort of like, um, God, I'm probably gonna get crucified for even suggesting the comparison, but Ollie Sykes, sort of how he does like that yell. That's oh like, yeah, you know I can see that. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't well, like it's it's comparison. it's just kind of annoying. Like yeah, but um, I would say I would say his voice is is very much a positive. Um, I would say just you know sort of that he's been able to you know he he sort of works the way he wants to. I would consider that a positive that like he doesn't really follow. Um, he he follows the beat of his own drum, and I I, I again I, I consider that a positive regardless of the actual quality of the music. Um, I would also say that the guy really knows how to write like a really good riff, mm, absolutely. like like a really really good like, like I mean th- there were some really groovy just like tasty riffs all scattered out through all of this. Um, but frankly, that's that's sort of the um, <laughs> the extent yeah the extent of of what I have to say. I, I would also say that um, I think deconstruction was probably the best thing I listened to, but. That's not saying much. Um, I, what, what, do you have anything else in the way of positives? I gotta be honest. I, I really liked these albums. Like <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised. I, I expected pretty much to be along the lines. There were things I didn't like specifically about each album. And there's one overarching issue I have with his music. But I actually really, really enjoyed this. I don't know if it's just my, you know, I'm becoming more in tune with prog metal. I really liked um, a lot of, I think what I like most about it, and this showed up uh, most prominently on Addicted, as well as uh, some of the tracks on Ocean Machine, some great pop sensibilities. Like he's, to me, I think what his greatest strength is, is that he's really good at writing something catchy and memorable with like a great chorus. And again, I think his vocals and... I, I can't say I know who the female vocalist is on. She shows up a lot on Addicted. Unaddicted. Yeah, yeah um, but she was also great, and just like the choruses and the and the, the pop um, elements that they put in really fit well with um, with kind of the more the, the prog, you know, the staccato riffing and like just the the, the prog elements and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I I really enjoyed this. I, I I liked kind of the way he wrote. I liked how a lot of his uh, albums unraveled. Uh, it reminded me uh, quite a bit of Leprous, honestly. You know, kind of a like in a different way, not like as aggressive, not as as kind of um, high soaring necessarily as as Leprous does. But I guess yeah. the biggest compliment I can give beyond me just enjoying the music, enjoying his approach to prog metal. What I really respect Evan for is it's it's very apparent how much influence he's had on prog metal, mm-hmm. like throughout Definitely. all this, you know, between the buried and me, Leprous, and, and again my my own list, you know, experience of modern prog metal. I could think of I guess uh, uh, maybe Caligula's Horse. Um, trying to think of other again, I don't listen to the genre as much, but it's very obvious that he's made a huge impression on the genre and that I think he deserves a lot of credit for. I mean, I yeah. mean not, not, not even just so much prog metal fans, but also, um, you know, the actual artists that people like nowadays, he clearly is, is well-respected, has had a huge influence. And, uh, yeah, again, I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed, uh, the album. I really loved, uh, the different moods of, I mean, none of these albums were super, like they all kind of were, were different in their own right. Oh, and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure if, if we, if we listen to different, 
installments, we kind of find the same thing, uh, or even more so of a difference. But it was very interesting how, obviously, Ocean Machine being the roughest of, of the bunch in terms of production, because it was just by virtue of being older. Um, but then, you know, Addicted definitely being much more pop-oriented, uh, Key kind of being... Um, Moodier. More, yeah, moodier, ambient. atmospheric, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think de- deconstruction kind of be you know an all of the above approach, and obviously it was a double album with Ghost, so I felt like that was kind of him just you know kind of going all in and doing everything under the sun and you're putting it in his music. Mm. Um, but yeah, once again, like I, I am interested in diving more into his music, and I was very surprised that that was the conclusion I came to. Um, but yeah, I, I was very, very pleasantly surprised. I, I kind of feel badly that I wrote him off for this long because it just, for some reason, it clicked with me more than a lot of modern prog metal, you know, has in the past. And maybe, maybe that's just me coming to terms with the fact that this is a genre I actually enjoy even more yeah. than I thought I did. You know, the, the next thing you know, I'll listen to Dream Theater and say, I actually like, <laughs> actually like the, <laughs> that'll be the day. <laughs> I don't know if that'll happen because I have heard some Dream Theater and haven't really loved it, but yeah. we'll see. I'll keep you posted. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious to hear what you, what negatives you have. Well, I'm so sure I, I, I think considering your positives, I would actually like to hear your negatives first before I begin my whole spiel. <laughs> the one big negative and the addicted had, um, perhaps the best time with this by virtue of its album length but his albums are too long mm. way too long like i liked the music on ocean machine and 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 kai and, and deconstruction and whatnot but every album by the time the last handful of tracks arrived i was I, like every single album i was ready for i was ready for it to be over and like not that i didn't enjoy the tracks it's just that you know, by nature of his music and how he writes, it's incredibly, you know... Dense. Yeah, dense and cinematic. And I don't even mean cinematic as, like, a positive or a negative, but he, like, tries to make, you know, like a like a theatric, a large statement with all of his music. Mm. And when you have something that's always on and always trying to put in new elements and always trying to, to push the envelope and do something interesting, when you have so many long tracks like that on an album that's an hour plus... Um, it just after a while I wasn't ready for it to be over because I wasn't enjoying the music it just it was too much after a while yeah um so I, I just a question like did you listen to like did you do like an album a day or did you listen to it all at once or uh, I listened to ocean machine by itself and I listened to deconstruction by itself but then I tried to I ended up having a busier time at the end of the week so I, I just kind of tried to listen to them all again in order um just in order to get uh, kai and addicted under my belt uh, i listened yeah. to addicted more than once only because it was shorter and i just really liked the the pop moments uh uh on that like some of the tracks on there um oh let me see if i can pull it up real quick universe in a ball hyperdrive bended like bender the way home. i think i think hyper hyperdrive i think was one that i i loved a lot um no, it's not loading. Whatever, but yeah, there were some tracks in there that I I can imagine just re- revisiting and listening to, you know, on their own. Um, but even just, I mean, I'm just talking about you know individually, like you know, like when I first I listened, the first one I listened to was Ocean Machine just by itself, and I listened to that, you know, just the only album I listened to from him that one day, and just that in itself was just if at the end I was like, okay, you know, I'm I'm ready for this to be done. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready for this to be like you know. There's there's just there's too there's too much. Yeah. There's just too too much going on. Um. So that was the main negative overall. The other thing is I do feel like. Um, this was pretty apparent on some tracks in Addicted, especially Ocean Machine. It was addict. Uh, it was uh, apparent. Uh, I don't love when he gets all industrial metal. Like when he really turns that up. Uh, like I think he writes some good heavier riffs, but when he just basically does kind of like stereotypical industrial metal, like I think the track that opened Addicted was very much just kind of like a, a late '90s, early 2000s kind of cliche, like like Fear Fear Factory kind of riff or whatever. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like my understanding of Strapping Young Lad is that's basically what that project was. It was more an industrial metal ish project. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, that was it, what it, I it, it was. It was very much more industrial than yeah. anything else here, uh, except maybe Ocean Machine. 
I, yeah. I think Ocean Beach is probably the closest thing to like a strapping young lad album in this list. Um, oh, actually, I have some other positive things. I'm just I'm looking through my notes because I just I felt like I had to take notes for this. Yeah. Um, I would say like the tracks Hyperdrive and The Way Home off of Addicted, I really liked. I thought those were really good, great tracks. Um, the solo on Heaven Send in uh, the album Key, I thought was really cool. Um, like a re- that that was a really cool solo. Like probably the highlight of my listening experience throughout this. Um, same thing with um the great the mighty masturbator uh from deconstruction yeah that was a um, great track I, I thought that was a really interesting track too and uh and then there, there was that moment in um i think it was the title track in deconstruction uh that he's like i, I can't eat hamburgers guys i'm a vegetarian <laughs> which, which i i i have i didn't really find his humor all that funny throughout all this but i found that line to be really like that that stopped me in my tracks and just made me giggle so i i feel like that's worth shouting out um, and I will, I will agree. Just like the last negative for me, the last comment for me is, I will agree that I mean, I can't say his his humor like bothered me, but also I really, I it, I didn't really find it funny. Like a lot, a lot of the the, yeah. the the comments he made, like and, and different references people make to his music, like jokes. Yeah, I really don't, I don't appreciate it in the same way other people do. It didn't really yeah. attract too much. Uh, there were some moments where I was like, "Oh, okay, that's kind of lame." But I whatever. think part of it is that like he's. It, it feels like he's trying too hard to make it like stupid, like to, to make it funny. He in a br- way. It brings his the over to, over the top. Like I feel like he just does everything over the top, and yeah. that kind of it pulls over into his approach to lyricism, which sometimes is not super. <laughs> does not really work out that well. Yeah. But again, I I don't think it. I don't think it was. Um, like, it didn't detract... It, like, it wasn't distracting, necessarily, at least for me. Like, it wasn't yeah. so bad that I was like, oh my god. Like, it, it wasn't like a bad rapper where, like, you know, like a Lil Wayne where, like, what, obviously this is the only parallel in the sense that bad lyrics can truly derail a project. I didn't really feel like that happened here. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I you know, I, it was more like the humor was sort of, like, on the edge of things. Sure. Like, like it was it was more like a garnish to the album it wasn't like it wasn't like zappa where it's like uh like a significant part of the album sure um, yeah absolutely so i but so it, t- time for the spiel um there you go i i think my biggest problem with all of this is that i don't think he's a good songwriter um but i i i want to i, I want to go into that because like i think some people would be like what the fuck are you talking about I and mean, it's like i as I said before, I think he could write a really good riff, but I think contain like it's sort of like making a cohesive song, and let alone making a cohesive album, seems like it's impossible for him. For 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 me anyway, like it just it just felt like every track um, didn't really know where it was going, and like mm. he was just like, oh, l- l- let's just stick this part here, and like it, like like just sort of the changes that would happen in the song. It's not exactly that. I would want it differently. It's that the it's just it felt very it felt jarring in a way that was not enjoyable at all. And I, like I mean I say this as a fan of like the Dillinger Escape Plan, like a fan of like Mr. Bungle or like Naked City, you know, like all, all three of which are just very very like you know jarring and like that's kind of their point is that they're they're making all these rapid changes so quickly. But with Townsend, it feels like he has like this vision. And then he sort of just like does like a sidetrack, you mm. know, um, like and I, I think like I think the, the best examples for this would be like Ocean Machine and Addicted for me, um, because like, like the opening track, I think it's the opening track of Ocean Machine Life. It just ha- it just feels corny kind of like it just has like this corniness to it that I really didn't like. But like or like the second track Night was like it like the synths that were at work here really cool. But it felt like that like that that was just like the one part of the track that was like cool like in a way <laughs> like like it, it just felt like it sort of varied like depending on like the second like it, and i heard this a lot in uh like like when i was trying to listen to uh strapping on glad city like the like there were some really cool riffs that were like yeah like you said like really fear factory ish but like you know his energy in it i really liked and then he would just like on the turn of a dime just be like you know, make it all melodic, and like I, I just felt like it, it, it just did not gel well with me. 
Um, you know, and it's just like I, I think with that, it really just creates a bland and unimpressive like experience for me overall. Like it's it's like it, the the best way to describe this is like if you had a movie that like had like really great actors, but like really terrible writing, mm. basically like like it's 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 like they they can bring the gold, but like at the same time, the like the entire thing doesn't add up to its constituent parts. Mm. Basically, that's the best way I can put this, and I think. Uh, I think along with that, there's just like, like I said, there's a lot of really saccharine parts. Um, yes, no, that, that that's that very he puts, fair. Like an addicted, like e e ah, like however you say that song. Um, I felt like that was just a really, really cheesy song. Like, yes, like, I, I found addicted probably to be the most cringy, actually, out of all of them. It's just because it was like it felt like it was just like a new metal album, kind of. I can uh, see that, yeah. Be, be, because, like, you know, it had, like, oh, the heavy chugging guitars, but it also had, like, sort of, like, a danceable beat and mm-hmm. sort of, like, that pop sensibility. And, like, th- I think that's the diff- that's the interesting thing is that, is that you actually liked sort of how poppy it got. And I, I really didn't because I, I felt like the poppy parts were kind of, like, cheap. Like, I'm not saying that pop is cheap or that adding pop elements to a, to a music can, is cheapening it. But I felt like that these specific turns towards pop didn't really go like gel with like what he had already started the song with. Yeah, uh, what I will say is that uh, I, I I didn't the things you're I think the things you're saying are valid, and I noticed them. I think there were recurring issues. I did notice they weren't things that I experienced, you know, throughout his music. Definitely on Addicted, there were some tracks. I prefer many of the the songs. I didn't enjoy a lot of the pop sensibilities. There is a there were a few that were super saccharine. Yeah. That were really, really too corny and cheesy. Um, but I totally, yeah, like, I, I, I think especially for me, that would probably occurred on Key. Mm. Uh, just because I feel like he was really focused on creating an atmosphere, and a lot of times there were songs that felt like they were building and then just kind of stopped. I was, I was like, just gonna get to that, like that. Yeah. I, th- that was my biggest problem with it. Like I would say, Key and Addicted. I don't. They, I, I really basically the first three albums that <laughs> we, we we talked about, I just did not enjoy whatsoever. Uh, but Key is probably the probably the, the weakest for me just in terms of like songwriting because like it, you're right like it, it they, they there are tracks that just they aren't really even songs like it's 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 more like it's an intro mm-hmm. and then the one intro track that there is on key a monday doesn't even sound like an intro track it, it just sounds like somebody just kind of strumming a couple chords and then you know calling that oh yeah that's an intro track man like you know which is like i i I just found that to be really lazy like and and like i i think what people forget is that you can actually get an atmosphere through strong songwriting as well as you know production yeah um that's what some people tend to forget like with art in general that like you you can create an atmosphere with form as opposed to content Mm -hmm. um so, like, yeah, it's just overall, it's just very, very like, like I just found the song right to be just really off. But then um, with deconstruction, like, I found like the first half of it to be like, you know, again, l- l- like everything else, like just very poor songwriting, like j- just poor stitching together of all these all these parts, I guess. Um, but like, you know, like like on uh, praise the lowered, the, the I think that's the first track of deconstruction, like. There were some really cool like bells and like I don't know if they were bells or marimbas or what, but I really liked sort of the atmosphere that they brought and sort of like the melody that was like I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like the beginning of Sumeria, I thought was really interesting. Um, Townsend's vocals throughout Deconstruction, I think, were his best out of the albums that I heard. Um, and then, like I said, like the Mighty Masturbator and uh, Deconstruction, the track. Were both really really good. I I really enjoyed both of those. I I thought they were really well constructed, 
and like they 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 didn't uh pull any of those low blows some of those they, it, it didn't get saccharine or cheesy even when it was like yeah even with like the farting parts of uh deconstruction which i was i was like yeah like <laughs> I, I and I I say this as as someone who who finds like bathroom humor to be just the best thing in the world. So, um, <laughs> I yeah I, like but like even those those parts aside, like I felt like that those two tracks that ended the album were really good. Like you know I I thought they were just so they were just really well sculpted, and like you know he just he knew exactly what to do and sort of where to take the sound. And it felt like a natural cohesion, whereas most of the other albums and really most of Deconstruction, aside from those parts, it just felt like he didn't know what to do with these, you know, certain parts and sort of how to like segue into these parts. And so it just I I just it really threw me off and I just did not enjoy it. Um, The thing is, like, they all sort of say this in different ways. Because, like, with Ocean Machine, it's, like, you know, I, part of it is, like, that sort of industrial feel that, you know, it, like, the way it sort of mixes with those popular kind of sensibilities. But then, like, Addicted is, like, there were just parts that felt straight up cheesy. Mm-hmm. And then, but then Kiyu was just, like, it just felt like there wasn't really, a, a, like, a single song, like, in it. Like, it just, it just felt like... <laughs> they just introduced new issues. Well, no, it was, it was it was more yeah. like it was more like they, they did like you know variations on the theme almost. Yeah, like it wasn't really like a like a song song. Um, you know, it was still music, mind you, but like it, I don't think it really was like a song. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically the best I can put this because like I I just I, I don't want to be negative about this. Because you know, just just because I don't like this doesn't mean that you know Devin Townsend is like objectively bad. Because I really don't think he's objectively bad. I think you know, considering you know um, the fact that he pretty much did a lot of like he wrote all of this himself, you know, and just considering the trajectory of his of his career, just from singing with Steve Vai to starting a band with Gene Hoagland to you know doing his own like you know like he has like how many solo albums out now <laughs> like oh yeah he has, just, he, just, has he, so, he has yeah. a ton of material people like it so like i i really can't say that i i don't i i dislike him i'm just it, the music just does not personally resonate with me um so yeah that's it i i you know all i i i really like i, I respect the guy a lot and i understand why his fans are you know that diehard but i i just cannot consider myself uh to be among those fans that's that that's basically all i can say now <laughs> no I, I i'm really glad we gave it a shot because now yeah. like you you kind of can can put put evidence put words to why you know because i i think we both went in assuming and i, I don't mean this like negatively we both went in assuming this wouldn't really be our thing like i yeah, I, so I, I didn't think that i would like this and, and lo and behold i ended up really enjoying what he had to offer i i, um, I wanted to like this stuff that's the thing like, like i really like 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 when we listen to stuff for this podcast and you know to really talk about it, like i really I, I go in wanting to really like it like you know like our bjork like, like when we reviewed uh utopia like oh, i mean yeah, i, I love i love bjork so like yeah. I went into I went into that album very excited, you know, and my feelings about that were just like you know, just that not exactly that it didn't live up to expectations, but just that like, it just didn't gel with me. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I I think that's all we can say about this right now. So um, yeah. Well, I, again, I I just want to close up by saying I'm really glad that you suggested we do this because yeah, it, was, it was fun. Um, I. I there are so many, um, so many artists that I'm like, yeah, I should really get around and listen to that. We, we, we should do yeah. this with Dream Theater at some point. Um, that's, I, I think I'm a little progged out at this point. Yeah, oh, at yeah, some no, no, point, no. I, yes. I, I, yeah. I, I couldn't do that right now. Um, <laughs> Somewhere down either. the line, yeah. Yeah. But, oh, that's uh, funny. So let's go to um, our last little segment, Albums of the Week. Uh, Scott, what is your Album of the Week? <laughs> so we went 
Um, Lauren picked out new glasses and and right near where the the um, the eye doctor is is Newbury Comics in Manchester, and yeah. I, I always search through you know some uh, some of the key places. I go to like the the discount bin and search for some specific albums. And one album I've been looking for forever, you know, wherever I've gone, is a cheap copy of None Shall Pass by Aesop Rock. Oh. And lo and behold, it was there for, I think, like six, seven bucks or whatever. I love that album. That was the first, the first song I ever heard from Aesop was, was, um, was, was None Shall Pass. And my friend, he gave me a flash drive just full of, um, uh, full of, of like rap song, like they weren't albums, they were just songs. Because he, I was trying to get a hip hop, and he was a big hip hop head. So I think yeah. there was like a bus, a bus driver song, a Del Funky Homo Sapiens uh, song, um, and then that's and like I never even heard of Aesop Rock before, and like that's that's one of the best, that's one of my favorite rap songs ever. Um, yeah, like just that beat I, and like the way he, like something we've talked about before, what I love about Aesop and what I think is really apparent throughout this album is how he can ride a beat with these dense, like, you know, high vocabulary, just really, really well intricate, put together bars, and the flow, like his flow on Nunshell Pass is infectious, and this is true throughout the, the rest of the album, but like, I just love how he blends beats, flows, and, you know, his lyrics, and I definitely, uh, I, I love a lot of his music, but just to me, I think the nostalgia of loving the song and I think there are a lot of great... Uh, it was also the first time I ever heard LP, because LP is uh, featured on the album. Oh, yeah, um, because I, I think that... Did it come out initially on Definitive Jux, if I remember correctly? Like, like I, I'm pretty um, sure Aesop was signed to Definitive Jux at one yeah. point. Uh, like that maybe early sense. on. Yeah. But, I, but I, I'm pretty sure Jux is, like, defunct now. So Yeah, I, th- I think LP is kind of doing his own... Yeah, he, he thing, he's yeah. got his own shit going on. Uh, he's doing great too. Yeah, it's a, but, yep, you're right. It, it did come up on uh, definitive uh, Jux. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I was super glad to. F- I've been listening to it all you know all week. Super glad to find nice. it. Um, what was vinyl album. or CD? Oh, just uh, just CD. I, I don't yeah. want to know how much it would cost on. Yeah, like it's yeah. a relatively long album. It would definitely be a double LP. That's why I don't really have a lot of hip hip hop on vinyl. Yeah. Just it, it almost always just because of the you know by virtue of being you know typically a long overblown or like kind of um, high track length high runtime uh, yeah. genre. It's just it's double LPs and obviously with hip hop being popular, the price is just it reflects that. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I was that. super 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 glad to find that, and I've been bumping it a lot lately. Yeah, I, I don't know if you remember there was um this this was years ago that uh, I think it was uh. Like my family were, was going to the beach, and you were coming along with us, and um, I, I had to drive there, I think, or at least I was driving there. And yeah, yeah, it was it was because my 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 dad had just had knee replacement surgery. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and so we were we were bumping everything on the car ride, and you uh, on like the last leg of it, you put on Nunchal Pass, and I'm like what the fuck is this and like yeah, and, and i, I mean that in that. the greatest way possible because i was just like i never heard something like that before i i personally yeah. came to love him through skeleton um skeleton's fantastic yeah too. just zzz top is like probably my favorite aesop song uh-huh. um like i i i can i almost know how to rap the entire song because <laughs> i'm just like I've, I've listened to it that much yeah um but anyway my album of the week uh I had a really tough time picking one this week because th- there wasn't really a lot that really stuck with me for some reason this week. Um, but there is, I, I, if there's an album that just made me happy this week, it's uh, Aretha Franklin's Lady Soul. <laughs> so nice. Uh, yeah, like I was just like I've listened to it many, many times before. Um, I don't know why I just thought of listening to it. But I was I was folding laundry and, and I just had it on. I'm just like, oh, this is wonderful. Like just like Chain of Fools is great. You know, you make me feel like a natural woman. You know, <laughs> um, just all, all those great tracks and just like Aretha, like just the the way she's able to take a take a song that's not written by her and just make it her own is just something that amazes me. 
that like like it's so rare for an artist to be able to do that like really the only two people i can think of who really got to that point were like aretha and like elvis and uh-huh. uh, maybe michael jackson but i think michael wrote uh i i think he he had more of a play in songwriting than i think people think mm-hmm. but beside the point aretha franklin lady soul amazing i could listen to chain of fools all day and not be sick of it you know um yeah <laughs> nice yeah I, all right i kind of like that we picked some older out because i originally have been trying to pick like newer albums to spotlight but yeah uh, I, just to be I, like oh you know album of the week for you know song that's just you know recently came out um but like it, it's i just couldn't deny how much i listened to yeah to, exactly yeah, yeah. I, I i'm with you like i i would prefer to probably talk about a newer album at some point but i I believe that an album of the week thing isn't like necessarily like a place for us to shout out. It's like to shout out like some new artist as much as it is to be like, Oh, we really enjoyed this album this week. And so like, I'd rather be like honest to myself about it. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, yeah, that's our episode this week. So guys, thanks for listening. And uh, we will be back next week, barring um, more traveling. So. Yeah, no, no, another another <laughs> yeah. random trip. Yeah. Uh, then. All right. All right. Thanks as always for listening. Right, bye.